Grab your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Acts, and um, we're going to be in Acts chapter 1 and in Acts chapter 2 this morning. So all of our reading will take place in those two chapters, so if you find the book of Acts, you can camp out there, and it'll be good for our, our purposes this morning. Um, I want to read, we're going to read just a second from Acts chapter 1, and we'll take our text from there. But before we read, I want to give you context for what we're about to read. So in Acts chapter 1, here's, here's the situation, here's the context, here's what's happening. Jesus is spending his last few days with his followers. At this point, Jesus has lived, he's died, he's been buried, and he's been resurrected. And so this is the resurrected Jesus spending time with his followers. And here are his final words or some of the final words that he spoke to his followers. So begin with me in Acts chapter 1 beginning in verse 4. It says, once when he, this is Jesus, was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until your father sends you the gift he promised as I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is telling his followers before he leaves the planet to go ascend to the right hand of the Father. He says, listen, don't leave Jerusalem. The gift of the Holy Spirit that, that had been promised to you, my Father is going to send it in just a few days. Now read with me in verse 8. And we'll see why. Why is God sending his Holy Spirit? Here's the purpose. We find it in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses telling people all about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So he says, in just a few days, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. Here's why I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, to empower you to be witnesses for me. Now jump with me to Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Here's when it actually happened, that thing that was promised. Here's the account of when it happens. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. That's important. All of them together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. That's important, on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. Everyone present, that's important was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Let's pray. You ready? Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We posture our heart in a posture of vulnerability now before your word. Let your word accomplish everything that it's meant to accomplish because your word never returns to you void. Let it work and let it work in me today is my prayer. And if you agree with that, give me a loud amen. amen. The series we're in right now is called Back to the Basics. And basically what we're doing is just kind of revisiting some of, some of the, the foundations of Christianity and even doing, remember a few weeks ago, Pastor Brady started this series. Remember he brought the Etch-A-Sketch up here? And what he was saying was, you know, the Etch-a-Sketch, the glory of the Etch-a-Sketch is after you, you know, you, you start drawing something, you're going to draw the Mona Lisa. 
And about five minutes into, it looks more like the moaning Lisa, right? And so what do you do? You shake the Etch-A-Sketch and you kind of start, start anew. And so in this series, what I'm encouraging you to do, I call it erase the chalkboard. You know, there's sometimes we have some predetermined thoughts or paradigms on things. And let's erase the chalkboard and let's look into Scripture. How many of you think we just ought to get it right according to Scripture? right and so so in this series this is what we're doing and this morning as I said earlier I want to speak to you specifically about the church so we're going to kind of get back to the basics of of the church what is it what is its function you know no doubt you've had experiences with the church so you have a paradigm of what church should be how it should feel how it should function but it may not be correct so we're going to look into the word Now, what we see here, what we just read in our text, is what most people would agree is the birth of the New Testament church. On the day of Pentecost, when God empowered his followers with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it launched the church into its purposes. So so we see the church beginning here. And in fact, if if you ever wondered what the book of Acts is about, it's titled Acts because it really is, uh, it's, a, it's a, the story of how the early church acted. And so it really is about how the apostles and how the church acted. And so thus they, we call it the book of Acts. And so we see it launched here. And so I just want to talk to you about the church. But as we're doing this, I want to give you a couple of overarching ideas about the church. The first overarching idea, because I'm going to bring you specifically to some functions of the church, but these are just some things you need to know as you're crafting your understanding of the church. The first thing we need to know, and we see see this in this passage, is that the church is both individual and collective. If you are born again, congratulations, you're the church. Church is not a location, it's an identity. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a good-looking church. Right, So church is both individual, and now what we're experiencing right now is church is collective. As we as the individuals who are the church come together, (coughs) we see the collective church. But in our text, I emphasize the fact that everybody in the room was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fell on each one of them, so there is that individual characteristic of the church, and also there's the, the corporate aspect of the church. But the question is, why? Why the church? Have you ever thought about this? Like, you know, church wasn't man's idea. I didn't, like, need a job and dream this up, right? Church wasn't man's idea. Church was God's idea, And he really liked it, so much so that he put his son as the CEO. Jesus is the head of the church. And so this this thing we do called church, it's God's idea. But the question is why? Have you ever thought about this? You know, when I'm doing counseling with people, most of the time when somebody schedules a counseling appointment with me, they do it because there's an issue in their life. I mean, nobody ever just shows up to say, Jody, I I scheduled an appointment to tell you how great everything's going right? It's usually there's an issue going on in their life. And, and, and so every time I'm counseling with somebody with an issue, it comes to the point where I begin to talk to them about their involvement with the church. And when I bring that up, you can see it like, oh, there he is. There's the pastor. 
you know, taking an opportunity to push church again. But the way I do it is, is I'll, I'll say to, to these people, whoever, whoever's in my office seeking counsel, I'll say, do you think, I mean, just your, your personal thoughts, do you think that Christians should go to church? And the answer is, right? Every time the answer is yes, but it's kind of one of these, yes. Like, I know the answer is yes, but I don't want it to be yes. And so if you ask people, should you go to church? Yes, right? But then I always shock them because I follow it up with this question, and this rattles them. I say, okay, why? And they're like, I, I don't know. You're just supposed to. You're supposed to brush your teeth for three minutes twice a day, and you're supposed to go to church. I don't know why. It's just supposed to happen that way, right? And, and, and you, you see the shock because there's a lot of us who go to church and don't know why we go to church. Well, today we're going to answer that question. Right? You're going to leave here inspired and motivated. And so this morning, I want to look at why, though. What does the church do? And, and this would be the win. If there's going to be a win for today's service, it would be this. And please listen, this is what I'm aiming at. I'm, I'm aiming to the point where every one of us will leave here today more valuing the church. Have placing an increased value on the church and understanding its role. So that's my aim, my, my goal for us today is to increase our, our value of the church. And I want to do that by pointing out the main three functions of the church. And I'm going to give them to you right now. I'm going to give them to you really quick and then we'll go into detail about what they are. There's three main functions of the church and I started them all with a T because that's what preachers are supposed to do. It'll help, you, it'll help you remember this, ready? First of all, the church is called to be a tribe. Second, the church is a training center. And thirdly, the church is a place, it's a mechanism for transformation, not just in our lives, but in our church. And so this is the three functions of the church, and we're going to go into detail about what those mean, but I want to interject here another overarching thought as we're building our understanding of what the church is. And, and I want to say this to you, that the church is not meant to be attended as only a consumer. Church is not meant to be attended as only a consumer. You know, we live in America and and in the West, we are very consumer driven. Now today, you may be going to a restaurant after church and you may be really interested in getting there quickly, right? But you know, think about when you go to a restaurant, you are very much dialed in as a consumer. I mean, you pull in the parking lot and, 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 and it, it, it affects you of how easy it is to park there. You walk in the building and, and you look at the cleanliness of it. And then you sit down at a table and your server comes to you and you're very in tuned with how well they are serving you. Then you eat food and you're very dialed in to whether that food is good or not. And then the check comes. And we're extremely dialed in to whether what we're paying for this experience is of equal value to what we experienced, right? And so we approach that as a consumer that's just built into American culture and we have brought it into the church. Now, not all of that is bad. I mean, we as a church staff understand 
there's a certain amount of, of church attendance is consumer-driven. So much so that when we built this building, listen, we decided to put a roof on it. So that by chance, if it's raining, you can sit here dry. Not only, listen how good we are. Not only after, after that, after the roof was on, we put an air conditioner and a heater in. Somebody say, come on, Jesus. We didn't stop there. We put chairs with padding. Mm. Why did we do that? Because we understand that the experience, what you, what you feel and, and how you're treated here is very much a part of, of, I mean, we may not want it to be, but if you're going to come back, it's because there was a roof on the place and the air conditioner was on and the seats were padded. Amen. I mean, we've got, we've amplified the, the sound in here so I don't have to scream at you, right? We've invested money in lights and heck, we even got a fog machine. I mean, come on, Jesus. What is all that about? Well, that, those things are, are reaching to the consumer part of you and hoping to create an environment where you're comfortable and you can engage and you can encounter the presence of God. But, you know, in church world, you always got that line like, come on now, that's enough fog in the room. This isn't a Pink Floyd concert, you know what I mean? This is, a, this is church, right? And so we all flirt with that line, and some of you think we go past it, and some of you think we need an LED wall, or I don't know what you think. But we've done the best we could. Somebody just say, Jody, you're doing a good job. I mean, it's okay, right? All right, okay. So, so we understand that there is that consumer element to the church. But I believe if we're not careful, we'll take it too far. And we walk in this church, or we walk into a church as a consumer Let's see what kind of show they put on today, right? That preacher better not go too long. Out the door I go, right? And so we go with that view that we're a consumer, but, but let me just tell you something. Jesus himself modeled this. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. His idea was, I'm not here to be catered to. I'm, Jesus didn't come as a consumer, and the nature of love is it doesn't take, it gives. And so we see that. And in fact, Jesus himself said to his followers, listen carefully if I say this right, he said to his followers, it's better to receive than to give. Is that what he said? No. He said it's actually better to give than to receive. But often when we come in church, all we're thinking about is what's being given to us. We approach it as a consumer. You may want to just pull your toes up under the chair for safety. I'm going to be stepping on some toes right now. But we approach church with this idea of what are they going to do for me today. And there's a certain amount of that that's, that's acceptable. You understand? You hear my heart in all this? But as a church, we ought to not just view. Listen, the Bible said that God is building a spiritual habitation. And you know what the building material is? It's you. We're living stones. Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone, but you and I are living stones. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look a little rocky this morning. Right? 
So what God is building, he's using you to build. And I'm saying this because every one of us in here possess giftings and skill sets and craft and, and, and things that God has put on the inside of us. And he's done it so that we can not just be a recipient of the goodness, but a, an actual contributor to the church and what God is doing. Listen, the Holy Spirit fell on every person in that room and it empowered them to function in the kingdom of God. We ought to not be on the sidelines church come on so just an overarching thought is you're not just here as a consumer you know I tell people um, I, I, we're not above people um, giving us um, advice you know we, we work very hard on on what we do here and like you ought to be in our Monday morning staff meetings I mean we go over every detail poor you know our sound guys it's like the sound was too loud the sound was too quiet. There was too much of this. You know, I mean, we go over all those things, and God bless those people who put up with that. So we, we very much are dialed in to the experience that you're having right now, right? And every once in a while, we'll have people come to us, you know, and they try to help us with that. Help us point out what's wrong. And let me just give you a clue. This is just personal. This, this is free. This isn't even part of my message. It's just free, right? <laughs> Here's what you need to know about Jody LaFleur. If you are standing next to me in the trench, you're welcome to criticize anything you want to criticize. If you are in the yoke pulling with me, hey, let me know. If you're on the offensive line next to me in the football game, grinding it out with me, let me know what you see. But just let me say this. If you're sitting in the stands going, uh, y'all need to do that a little better. I got this much time for you. Right? I just don't. And, and the more weight you're carrying, the more voice, you, the, more, the more audience you have with me. <laughs> y'all are like, dude, this guy's, I don't know what's going on with Jody this morning. He's a little upset. That was just for free. Church is not, you're, you're not here as a consumer only. So here's what we're going to do. I want to look at, at those three characteristics, the functions of the church, the tribe, the training center, and the transformation mechanism. And, and I want to look at that, but through the idea, through the paradigm, that it's not just about what I receive, it's about what I contribute to. And so here's what I want to do. I want to look again in the book of Acts. We're going to go to the second chapter. We're going to go to the last part of that chapter, and we're going to read verses 42 through 47. And if you've ever studied the early church, no doubt you have looked at this passage. But this is kind of after the church was born, was birthed, here's, here's how it worked. So this is like, this is the unadulterated version of the church. We pick up in verse 42 of chapter 2. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. Come on now. Every day they went to church. 
And they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This sounds to me like a key to church growth. The church grew when they did these things. So here's what I want to do. I want to look at those three functions. And we're going to run them through because those, those three functions, the tribe, the training center, and the transformation mechanism come out of this passage. And I want to go to some detail, but we're not looking at it as a consumer. You're looking at this as a contributor. This is what we're doing this morning. First thing I said was church <clears throat> is a tribe. I mean, God called his body to do life together. And when we read this passage, what you find is there, there's not really this sense that once a week they all got in their cars and drove to a building and saw each other for an hour and a half saying things like, good morning. Praise God. God bless you, brother. Is that the sense we get from this? No, the sense was a tribe. The sense was they, they did life together. They were, they were engaged. They were, they were involved in each other's lives, which, by the way, sounds good. It's really messy. I mean, when you get all up in people's world, it gets messy. People are messy. That's the motto of ministry. People are messy, right? But there was a sense that they were really doing life together. And, you know, um, I, back in, in 2009, Lori and I moved to Austin with our family, and we went there for the purpose of planning a church. And honestly, I can tell you, um, I, I thought, you know, in three or four months, the church that we plant would look like this. And it didn't. And it was, it was honestly, it was the hand of God that kept it from looking like this. Because our, what we ended up planning became a home church. And we actually met in homes what was interesting is the, what the members of our church, I'm not being hyperbolic. Remember, Austin is a, is a melting pot. People are moving to Austin. I don't know if they should anymore, but they, they're moving to Austin very quickly because of the, the economic opportunities and stuff there. So people were moving to Austin, and our church was made up of members. We had members from Hawaii and Minnesota, and Oregon, and Kentucky, and Texas, and Louisiana. We had members from all over the place, but we all had something in common. None of us were in our homeland. We had all left our support system. I mean, Grandma didn't live in Austin. Grandma lived back in Oregon. And aunts and uncles and cousins, they were, they, we had all left our family. So you know what happened in our church? We became family. It was a home church, and it was so, I mean, you talk about a tribe. I, I kid you not I'm, not, I'm not being hyperbolic. When a little girl had a dance recital, the whole church went. The boys were playing football back then every Friday night. It was down to Lake Travis for the high school football game. I mean, the whole church was there. We did life together, and it was so beautiful. Of all the churches I've seen and experienced in my life, I can say as far as a tribe goes, that was the most beautiful thing I'd ever experienced. And so we've had that experience, and I believe that's what God actually ordained that the church would be, that we would be family, that we'd be connected, that we would be all up in each other's lives. Listen, crazy cousin and all, we're family. I want to say to you, with that in mind, if you are not engaging in the tribe, in the community aspect of the body of Christ, you're missing out. You're missing out. And so 
The church was meant to be a tribe. I want to encourage you, church, if you're the family, please, I love you. If you're the guys who are turning in here on two wheels at 10.02, and, and you can tell in my closing prayer, you can feel me winding down, and you're grabbing your purse. When I say amen, the doors are already flapping. If you're that family, we love you. God bless you, but you're missing it. You're missing out on one of the major functions of the church. So I encourage you, engage in the community aspect of the church. Receive that. But remember, we're not just a consumer. In other words, you're here to contribute to the community of the church. And you know, we have new people come to our church all the time, and they're like, how do we get connected? You know, my plan, I mean, this is kind of utopian, but let me just tell you my plan. See, every Sunday, on average, we have between five and 600 adults sitting in this room. And so my plan is, you know what? There's five to 600 connection points at Victory. Because if we're all engaged, man, y'all are fired up about this, I can tell. If you're engaged, if you're not just here as a consumer, if you're here to contribute, guess what? You're a connection point for somebody else because we don't just show up at church to receive better to give than to receive so I want to encourage you in the tribal community aspect of the church receive all that's there and contribute to it moving quickly second thing I said was the church was a training center it says here in our text that every day they continued in the apostles doctrine there was constant teaching going on and and here the church there's two things we need to teach as a church if we're training center there's two things that we need to do first of all you know here at victory one of our core values is growth so i'm up here teaching for your personal growth this morning so part of the job of the church is to train people for personal growth but then ephesians 4 also tells us that not only train for personal growth our job is to equip you for the work of the ministry so I'm not, my, my job assignment is not just to help your Christian life grow, it's to help you grow and to equip you so that you can help somebody else grow. Because we're not here as a consumer just to receive, we're here to give as well. Church is a training center. At this very moment, uh, straight to your east in the orchard, there are men and women training using curriculum that's age appropriate they are training babies right at this second if you're sitting here and you have a child in the orchard listen to me your child right now is being trained in the kingdom of God are you excited about that isn't that beautiful but the reason it's happening is because somebody said yes somebody said yes there are men and women who sacrifice every week to train your children. And you know who I'm especially fired up about? It's the men. It's Caleb Redding, beard and all, all up in the orchard, right, loving on babies. Chad Myers in there right now, loving on babies. Hey, come on, men. 
I've been reading and studying in our society the effects of fatherlessness in our nation. And there's such an ab- absence of manhood and father fatherhood in the homes and in the church. Oh, let it not be so. May we men step up and say, I will go into to the orchard. I will go to Kidmo. I will go to the LP. I will invest my manhood, what God has put on the inside of me. I will invest it in the next generation because I've been a recipient and I want to help train others. Church, we need you. And you know, we have these volunteers, and thank God for our volunteers. But guess what? If there were 20 more volunteers in the orchard, then those volunteers would only serve once a month, and there'd be a rotation. We need more people training in the orchard. We need more people training in Sprouts, training in Kidmo, training in the LP Junior High Ministry, training in the LP. We need help. But if we're locked into consumerism, we think, no, all I do is show up here for 75 minutes on a Sunday morning and watch the show. Oh, God, let it not be so among us. Come on, don't shout me down now. Church is a training center, and we are, it's an opportunity for us to receive training, and we should, the Word of God and the training of the Word of God develop my personal life. But then second of all, I take that. And I, be, I contribute to the training of others. So my question to you, each one of you, is how are you helping? You're the church. Who are you training? How are you involved in training someone else? We have small group leaders who every week are training. You know, a couple months ago, we had something amazing happen. Um, one of our ladies here uh, came to us, and uh, she probably won't mind me saying this, but Ms. Shay Hansen, Ms. Shay Hansen came to us, and if you know Shay, she's a student of the Word. She's been studying. She's been in the Word, and she felt like God put it on her heart to write a curriculum. So here, now listen, Shay is bored. There's nothing going on in her life. Although she has little children, a husband with a full-time job, she has a full-time job and a side business, and she found time to write a curriculum. She came to Lori and I and said, hey, here's a curriculum that, that I felt like God led me to, to write. And we're like, okay. She said, what do I do with it? I said, I don't know. Let's pray about it. And then I encouraged her, hey, use your influence. Like who, who in your world could you kind of try this out on? You know, the guinea pig group? Like, like you, need to, you need to kick the wheels on this thing and, you know, like let's, uh, let's get it going. And so just, you know, kind of pushed her to who has who God given you that you could use as pupils for this curriculum. And so we prayed with her and sent her off and, and just kind of waiting to see what God would do with it. Well, Laurie has a very small group and she wants it very small. So please, ladies, don't go sign up, try to sign up for this group. Laurie has a very small group of ladies that she's walking very closely with and discipling. And, uh, and so Laurie was walking with these women, just really pouring into them, training them. And, and the Lord gave Laurie an idea like, hey, why don't you call Shay and see if Shay would bring that curriculum and it'll give her an opportunity to try out her curriculum, give her experience teaching the curriculum. And we have some women here who, are, uh, who need this. And so Laurie calls Shay, and, Laurie, and Shay says, fine. And so Shay shows up, and now for the last, I don't know, four, five, six weeks, Laurie comes home uh, after everything. And like Jody, you wouldn't believe it. Everybody was in tears. Everybody, Shay is so marvelous, and it's so cool. And then they just wrapped up their time together. They finished the curriculum, and all the ladies were saying to her, Shay, thank you so much. 
Oh, it's the voice. I'm telling you, there are a million voices in the world who are saying, thank you for investing your time. Thank you for investing what you know of God. Listen, I don't care how young you are in the Lord. You know something about God that somebody else needs. And if you will show your experiences, if you will tell your story, if you, listen, there are people out there who are dying for what's on the inside of you. And God forbid we just be consumers and sit there and bottle that up on the inside of us. Listen, the need is too great. The fields are white with harvest, but we need laborers. Contribute, church, contribute. Last thing we said was that the church is a transformation center. What does that mean? It means this, that when you and I got saved, God did not shoot us up to heaven right at that moment. He left us here, and he left us here for a reason. He left his church here for a reason. He calls his church things like salt and light. In other words, my job and your job is to bring light to a dark, dark world. And, and God has put his church in culture to bring the transformative work of the gospel through his church into the culture around us. It was never meant to be kept inside these walls. It was never meant to be visited for an hour, hour and a half every Sunday. No, what should happen was every Sunday at the end of church, that we would then release hundreds of believers who have experienced community. They have been in train, they've been empowered, they have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And then those believers are loosed into the world around them and they go to Sitco and they go to Phillips 66 and they go to Cameron LNG and they go to Sulphur High and they go to WW Lewis or wherever you work, McDonald's or Walmart, whatever. But we go in the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit that has been invested on each one of us. And that's the church as a transformative power. It's what God designed that we should be. I want to say to you, church, I love you. And I hope you love the church. I hope you love our church. But may God do a work in us this morning to value this thing. That we don't just get up and skip in here on a Sunday morning as a consumer. And take lightly what Jesus gave his life for. And that was the church. And his promise was, listen, he said it. He said, I'm going to build my church. He said, I'm going to build my church. Jody's not going to build my church. Pastor Larry's not going to build it. Billy Graham's not going to build my church. I'm going to build my church. And he said, it's going to be so powerful that the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church. That's what he said. He said, I am creating for myself a bride. There's going to be a bride, and she's going to be without spot or wrinkle, and it's because I am doing it. I just want you to know that God's in the business of building his church. God's in the business of building his church. Our job is to say yes. Lord, make me a beautiful bride. Make me a transformative power, a mechanism for transformation in the culture because I believe this was God's design and my prayer is that us at Victory, we would be, we'd reach our full potential and be a true representation of God's original design for his church. Would you say amen to that? 